This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. Hi, I'm Renee Summer, our digital news anchor here at 7 at 7. Watch our streaming nonstop newscast immediately with your mobile phone. 7 at 7 is the new way for you to get every bit of local news you need in just seven minutes. Breaking news, local neighborhood news, weather, and sports are just a click away. Reporters bring you all of what's happening in the Valley. From Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, YouTube, and more. Get every bit of local news you need from the RJ and LVRJ.com. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about playoff hockey. And boy, do we have a doozy of a playoff game to break down for you guys today. Uh, I, of course, am Ben Goetz, one of your review journal Golden Knight beat writers. Joining me on the other line uh, from across the hall, basically, in our lovely downtown Denver hotel is my colleague, David Shane. Dave, how's it uh, hanging on this lovely uh, Tuesday afternoon? Is it Tuesday? I, I lost track. Who's to say? Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. I'm having a fun trip though. Denver's nice. Once the uh, once the rain stopped and all that, it's been a it's been a fun time. So probably a little more fun than the Golden Knights had after uh, after that game one. I was gonna say we have definitely enjoyed our stay in Denver so far. The Golden Knights uh, definitely have not. We're gonna get into what happened in game one of their second round series with the Colorado Avalanche and the kind of fallout. Uh, from that game. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We are also presented by Blue Wire Podcasts. Of course, as always, if you guys could check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com, that would be amazing. Uh, just here in Denver right now, we have myself, Dave, and our columnist, Ed Graney, and we're trying to do a churn out, engaging content about this series for you guys every day so please uh read what we have to uh you know put out there so far uh and finally if you guys could rate review subscribe whatever you do to podcast please do this one we would very much appreciate it all right so last time uh over the weekend we brought you guys an emergency podcast after the night's game seven win over the minnesota wild uh i think this was a matchup in the second round that we all wanted to see golden knights Avalanche, the two best regular season teams in the NHL. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's almost a shame that they have to meet this early in the postseason, but I think everyone is excited that this matchup is happening. And then what happens in game one? Uh, it is a complete blowout for the Knights that was ugly in more ways than one. 
Uh, they lost 7-1, which was their largest loss of the year. Robin Leonard got the start over Marc-Andre Fleury and allowed all seven goals, which was a season high for the Knights. And then on top of that, things really kind of devolved later in the game. Uh, Left-wing Matthias Janmark, who was the hero in Game 7 with his first career hat-trick in the NHL, uh, was hit high and late in the corner of the offensive zone by Colorado defenseman Ryan Graves. Uh, He did not return. As uh, As we're recording this on Tuesday, Janmark did not practice with the Knights today. So then later in the third period, Ryan Reeves retaliates against Graves after a whistle in the third period and gets ejected, gets a match penalty. Uh, there was a huge scrum afterward where some guys on both teams were wrestling. It ended up with Colorado getting a nine-minute power play, which is the first time I've ever seen that happen before, uh, which they scored on uh, thanks to defenseman Kale McCarr. And then as of uh, yesterday, Reeves was suspended Two games by the NHL, Graves received no additional discipline besides getting a minor penalty for interference for his hit on Yanmark. Uh, so, Dave, overall, 7-1 loss for the Knights. They uh, are basically potentially going to be down two players heading into uh, tomorrow's game, too. Uh, what did you make of the first game of this series? Well, let's talk about it from this angle. I know this is a Golden Knights podcast, but Colorado was really good. And they had been sitting around for a week, kind of waiting and resting and, you know, getting all revved up. And that top line, you know, on top, you know, forget all the other like goofiness and and whatever. Like, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more. But uh, like what's lost in all of this was just Colorado is really good. Nathan McKinnon is really good. Mikkel Randon's really good. And the Knights did not have, you know, a lot of answers for them. After about like the first 10 minutes and even within that, you know, so uh, so I'm actually going to rewind a little bit and agree with something Pete DeBoer said that they played pretty okay to start out, even though, you know, they were down one nothing. I think that was a little bit more on Robin Leonard than everybody else in front of them. But from that point on, they just did not respond well. That was not anything close to the blueprint that they've proven and that it takes to beat Colorado, especially on the road. And so, you know, maybe you just chalk it up to emotional game seven and two nights previous. And, you know, they, they were just kind of understanding that they weren't going to have a whole heck of a lot. And, you know, you, you gamble with your goaltender change and, you know, I don't think they expected seven one, but they, I think they knew that it was going to be a tough spot. Even, you know, sarcastic Pete DeBoer with his, you know, maybe we shouldn't even have come comment, I think understood that going into game one, it was, you know, going to be a tall task. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, as you said, the Golden Knights played game seven against the Minnesota Wild on Friday, get the win, basically have to go to Denver right away to play the Colorado Avalanche on Sunday. The Avalanche, who swept the Blues in the first round, were kind of just twiddling their thumbs for about a week. And they definitely, after maybe you know needing to settle in a little bit, came out flying. Uh, their stars were their stars. McKinnon had three points. Gabriel Landeskog, their captain, had three points. Um, Rantanen might have only had two, but he was also excellent. And uh, Kale McCarr had a goal and three assists. So the Avalanche's stars just basically showed out and showed that they were fresh and kind of uh, walked all over the Knights in that way. Uh, let's break down one of the things you mentioned there, Dave. That was a key decision. Uh, the Knights made, and that was to start Robin Leonard 
instead of Mark Andre Fleury. Fleury started all seven games against the Wild. He ranks third in goals against average. This postseason, uh, he was also named a Vezina Trophy finalist today, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. But obviously, he has just been incredible all year. Um, But they decide to switch goaltenders for game one to take advantage of the fact that they have, uh, you know, as they like to put it, two starting goalies uh, that are both very well paid. Um, I know you asked Pete DeBoer after the game to kind of walk through the decision a little bit. Uh, what did you make of Pete DeBoer's explanation? And did you kind of understand uh, the logic behind making that call, even though it didn't necessarily work out? But uh, I think we both agree with the way that the Avalanche were flying for most of the game, it probably didn't matter who was ultimately in net for the Knights that game. No, I don't think so. And, and yeah, I think, you know, when we did our bonus podcast, you know, at the end of it, I kind of talked about it and made the case for doing exactly what they did. I wasn't surprised, and, and I think Pete DeBoer kind of followed the, the precedent that he set himself last year. You know, they they did the exact same thing. Robin Leonard came off a shutout, and they played Marc-Andre Fleury game one against Dallas. You know, this time, you know, seven games in 13 days, whatever it was for Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, certainly not as busy where, you know, he's having to make 40 saves, but, you know, that's more of the mental grind, and that's, you know, it's like a pitcher having to throw hard pitches, you know, even though he's up to like 85 or something like that in the fifth inning. It's, you know, there's some some stress and just some mental preparation that goes into it. And so I think, and I'm going to guess this without without ever having it confirmed by Pete DeBoer or anybody, anybody else, I think even Mark, Marc-Andre Fleury sort of hinted at this today in his media availability. And he said he knew Robin Leonard was going to play at some point. I think everybody knew the plan was going to be, hey, if we get through this, you know, game one is going to be Robin's. And I think everybody was on board with that. So as long as it's not a divisive move and it didn't work out, you know, the seven to one, the the optics of it make it look terrible. But I don't think it was controversial or anything like that. And the reason I say that is because they did the exact same thing last year. And I think behind the scenes and most of us who follow the team this year, I think had a pretty good inkling and idea that this might be possible. And then here's the other thing too, just because, you know, at least after game six, Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury like to troll the media a little bit and make sure that they, you know, leave at the same time, you know, after, you know, morning skate and they got a good kick out of everybody putting it on Twitter and, you know, having a a good conversation. And is there any sort of mystery? Like everybody knew, you know, and even with this one, like Robin Leonard before on morning skate, like he was off. Everybody pretty much knew that Robin Leonard was going to be the guy. So in terms of, was it a shock? Is it a controversial move or shouldn't he, you know, I I just don't think it was, we we can maybe debate whether he should have, but I just feel like everybody, close to the team anticipated this and they've done it all year. They did it last year. And that's why you have $12 million allocated. If you're going to have it, you might as well use it. Right. And if you know that maybe the skaters and everybody in front, maybe their legs aren't going to be there. You're playing at altitude. Maybe you throw a fresh goaltender in there and he stands sideways and, and, and steals a game for you. Like that's what you're hoping. And it didn't work out, but the logic and the reasoning behind it, 
I, I'm absolutely with Pete Zabor on that. Yeah, the one thing that you can kind of probably nitpick there is the fact that uh, Leonard was definitely coming in cold. He hadn't played since May 10th, so it was about a 20-day gap between starts for him. Um, but like we're talking about, you know, I don't think it necessarily would have mattered if uh, Leonard came in absolutely dialed in. Uh, the Avalanche just, you know, Leonard gave up a couple goals that uh, probably weren't the best to give up. He also gave up some, you know, literal layups, uh, especially Gabriel Landeskog's power play goal for the Avalanche's fifth goal is a literal, you know, tap in. Uh, no goaltender is going to stop that. So I don't think it ultimately factored into decision. And, you know, as you kind of mentioned there, Dave, and I've had people um, kind of just email me or like go on my Twitter mentions that are like, why are the Knights doing this? No other team kind of does it this way where they alternate between two goalies in the playoffs. And literally there is no other team in the NHL that has a $7 million goalie and a $5 million goalie. That is kind of the unique roster setup that the Knights have. And they tried to take advantage of it in this situation. Ultimately it didn't work out, but you get, like you mentioned the logic of why they tried to do it. Um, so there's the goalie decision. Now we're going to have to uh, walk through uh, the other, I guess, more controversial plays in this game. So first, let's talk about the hit that Graves put on Yanmark. As I said earlier, it was kind of high and late in the corner of the offensive zone. Um, Graves is going over to make a hit, and it seems like he's trying to put a check on Yanmark right after he releases the puck, which is would be a legal play and one that we see a lot, especially in the postseason. Uh, Yanmark doesn't see him coming. And ultimately the hit comes, you know, a couple beats late after he releases the puck. So it's no longer, you know, an okay play. Yanmark ends up face down the ice for a little bit. He has to be helped off and then helped to the locker room. Uh, as I said earlier, we did not see him at practice today. Pete Bohr named him day to day. Graves did receive an interference minor. For the play, and as I said earlier, um, that was it. The NHL did not uh, deem that play worthy for any sort of additional or supplemental discipline. Um, so, Dave, when you kind of watched that play back, or even when we watched it live in the arena, um, what do you make it of it? And uh, are you surprised that nothing kind of else came of it? Because I think there are a lot of Knights fans curious as to the fact that Graves didn't hear any more from the NHL after that play. Yeah, I so I guess I'm just the old fart here. I, I don't know how else to say it. Like, I mean, I thought it was an interference and I thought it was a penalty and he went to the box and then that's about it. And unfortunately, like it's a rough game and there's physical play and sometimes guys get hurt because of it. And I'm not going to sit here and like, like victim blame or anything. Yeah. Mark. And you know, oh, you should have had your head up or, you know, but like, yeah, it was a little bit late and it was a little bit high. I thought he hit him, you know, sort of in the chest and maybe caught him up, whatever. And then he went really awkward into the boards and sort of, you know, I think some of the result and why it looked bad was the fall and and how he hit into the wall. Just just the positioning of it was awkward and sort of the angle that Graves hit him and it. I mean, it sent him, you know, I mean, it sent him. I can't say it totally, but, you know, like butt over tea kettle. Um, 
with his feet up in the air. I mean, it was like a decleater, uh, which like I, I look like I don't want to sound like the dinosaur here or whatever, but you know, there is an element of these guys bump into each other and it's physical and, you know, and guys get hit and you get a penalty and not every time that somebody gets hit hard, it's suspendable, you know, like there are certain hits that you see and you just know automatically are suspendable. It's a head hit. It's something where the guy is picking the head. It, like the Nazem Kadri hit, if anybody goes and watches the video for that, like that's textbook of what they want out of the game. It's the guy like doing the side swipe drive by where he could hit any part of the body, but what he picks is the head and that's the only part. You know, Ryan Reeves had a hit against Arizona's Jordan Gross. You know what? It's a little, almost two months ago now. I think it was around April 11th. You know, and he hit him and he hit him really hard and he caught him in the chest and then kind of caught him, you know, up high as well. But it's not the type of hit that, you know, DPS looks at as suspendable. And I just don't think the Graves thing was so egregious and so late and so out of the context of like the game or something like that, you know, that he would be suspended for it. Penalized? Absolutely. You know, but I, now what I think maybe is the argument is like, should that be more heavily regulated or should that be suspended or something like that? And the problem for me is now we're getting into like the same argument as the NFL. And what's the gray area? And are you just basically getting penalized for hitting a guy too hard and all that? I don't know if that's necessarily a conversation that I want to partake in. And I don't know that I'm necessarily qualified to be, you know, making those sort of judgments. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess, look, I'll play the role here. Like I'm kind of the old school hockey person. And I just don't feel like every time somebody, but somebody gets hit hard, that we have to go on to social media and say, oh, that guy should be suspended. That guy should be suspended. Because I just don't think that that's, that's, you know, it's not the NHL I like. What everybody doesn't want to say out loud here is for a couple of days, we've all been talking about the NHL and hockey and physicality and, you know, is there going to be fights and what's going to happen? And it always happens like that, the Battle of Alberta or whatever. Every time it's some fight thing or whatever, like, that's what gets people talking and riled up. And you know what? Like, everybody said, oh, it's terrible about the NHL. But that's what gets people talking. That's what separates the NHL from everything else. You know, it's like the NFL. People slam into each other. And when that happens, you know, unfortunately, teeth fly and there's blood. And guys get hurt. And, you know, yeah, you have to regulate it. And you don't want the bad hits. But I still like the hitting. I don't want that out of the game. I'm sorry. I'll say that out loud. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. If you love listening to us here on Golden Edge, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, 
access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Your time is valuable, so we've built a seven-minute nonstop newscast that fits into your daily routine. I'm Jen Ah. 7 at 7 keeps you informed anytime, anywhere. Look for top stories, weather, sports and sports betting, business, lifestyle and entertainment. Get every bit of local news you need in 7 minutes. Watch 7 at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Streaming nonstop 24-7 from the Las Vegas Review Journal on your mobile or smart TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Yeah, obviously an unfortunate result for the Knights and for Matias Yanmark. We'll see what his status is moving forward. But as we said, the NHL, uh, obviously the officials at the game did deem it worthy of an interference penalty, but the people in the Department of Player Safety didn't view it as anything that was worth additional punishment beyond that. Uh, Now we'll transition to kind of the other uh, key controversial play of the game. Um, Before we get to the Reeves play, though, I should also mention that there was a scrum that broke out in the third period uh, when Max Pacioretty made a reverse hit on uh, Samuel Girard. So tensions were already pretty high. Uh, then Reeves, after at one point Philip Grubauer uh, freezes the puck uh, in the offensive zone for the Knights, and Reeves appears to jab Graves in the back of the head, then grab him around the neck and take him down to the ice. Uh, the official Department of Blair Safety uh, video explaining Reeves' two-game suspension uh, mentioned that he pulled Graves' hair, and then Reeves is basically on top of Graves for a while as the officials kind of try to pull him off. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this leads to a bunch of kind of wrestling matches around the ice. And it takes a very long time for the officials to sort through everything. So Reeves is sent off right away with a match penalty. Uh, Four 10-minute misconducts were handed out, two for each side. And then Reeves also got one that was served, I believe, by Jonathan Marsh. So, um, like I said earlier, results in a, uh, you know, very rarely seen nine-minute power play for the Avalanche and Kale McCarr scores on it. And that's how we get the final score of 7-1 because it was 6-1 at the time this was happening. Um, Dave, you kind of wrote about the aftermath of the play and Reeves' suspension yesterday. So people can check out that story at ReviewJournal.com. You know, what do you think about this kind of being the response to the hit on Yanmark from the Knights and then ultimately, you know, the suspension it led to? I mean, again, I'm going to sound like the the old fart here. I mean, I, so look what I don't like in like clearly in the video from player safety and all that is Reeves basically admits he's retaliating and going after the guy for, for that hit. And so on the surface and just, 
the idea of that hockey players are out there just exacting revenge and all of that. Yeah, I'm not a real big fan of that. I don't I, I don't like that element of it. Um, and I think if you're going to do it, there's better ways to do it. Um, the, the hard thing with this, and I think if you're a Knights fan and what I keep seeing is sort of the what about ism with Tom, Tom Wilson. And you go, well, he wrestled the guy to the ice and roughed him up and, and whatever and got fined $5,000. And basically, Ryan Reeves roughed up a guy, tossed him in the ice, kind of, you know, used his weight, I guess, to uh, force Ryan Graves' head into the ice. That's what D, uh, DPS said. Um, in addition to pulling out the hair, which I do have to mention, like of all things, like Ryan Reeves now has the reputation of he pulled out a guy's hair. <laughs> He's got to like kill him. Somebody's going to chirp Ryan Reeves so badly for that. Like, what are you going to do? Pull out my hair? I would. But it's just I, I get from the Knights perspective of like, well, yeah, OK. I mean, it happens all the time after a whistle. You know, guys are kind of roughing each other up and, you know, jabbing each other and scrumming. And like, how do you discern anything anymore? You know, what's a cross check? What's too far? What's roughing? in unsportsmanlike conduct, which is what Ryan Reeves gets two games for, if not this or that or whatever. So I, I think just the gray area that player safety is sort of set for itself with, with its own precedent of finding this particular person, suspending that particular person, seeming, seemingly treating this person, you know, differently or not equally, you know, than that person for what appears to be, you know, similar moves or, you know, wrestling tactics, whatever you want to call it. Um, like, again, look, it's the same argument of, of should it be in the game? Probably not. But it is part of the game. It is there. And, uh, you know, well, things have always been there 50 years and we're changing. Yeah, fair enough. That's fine. Like, let's have that conversation. But, you know, I, I guess I just look at what Graves did and feel like it was in the context of the game. And I don't know. The hard thing is I still haven't seen a really, really, really good video of what did Ryan Reeves do other than basically kind of grind the guy's head into the, into the ice. And you know what? He did the same thing that Alex Petrangelo last season when Alex Petrangelo was playing for the blues and, and somebody for, you know, went after David Perron and all like it happens all the time. So why are we picking and choosing this is the two game suspension, I guess, other than the referees specifically chose to give Ryan Reeves a match penalty different than a major different than something. It was specifically a match penalty attempt to injure. So he did something. They saw something in that scrum and put something in that referee report that they specifically identified as crossing the line. So I guess I'll have faith and, and, you know, trust that the referees, you know, did and heard and saw something, you know, different than just an ordinary, you know, yeah, we're just going to like, you know, roughhouse and do what hockey players do. And if that's the case, then, okay, fair enough. But to me, I'm sorry, again, like, I like the rough stuff. What can I say? <laughs> well, clearly, uh, the NHL officials there and the Department of Player Safety didn't love it too much because they did give out uh, a two-game suspension to Ryan Reeves so he would be eligible to return for Game 4 of this series at T-Mobile Arena. So we're going to leave all 
kind of that talk and the game one talk behind us for now. So I think we should probably look ahead now to the rest of the series and how the Knights get back in it now that they're down one nothing. Um, I thought our colleague Ed Graney had a really good column yesterday about how the Knights don't plan to overreact to the seven to one loss. Uh, the key stats that he kind of brought up is um, for people that remember the inaugural season, the Knights beat the San Jose Sharks seven nothing in uh, game one of their series in 2018. The Sharks ended up rebounding with a uh, 4-3 double overtime win in Game 2, and that series went to six games, so it was a lengthy series. It didn't signal just because the Knights beat the Sharks 7-0 in Game 1 that that was going to be a cakewalk for them, though they did ultimately win the series and advance to the Western Conference Final. And then the Knights won Game 4 against the San Jose Sharks uh, 5-0 their second year, and that put them up 3-1 in the series, and I think you know, on this podcast, people can listen back. And I think at the time, Dave, uh, you know, us and then colleague Adam Hill were pretty confident that like, oh, yeah, this series is over. This is going to be a walk. And then the Knights, of course, lose the next three games, albeit uh, in game seven, controversial fashion. But that five nothing, uh, you know, stomping they put on the Sharks didn't signal, actually, that that series was over. And so the point is, obviously, uh, one loss, even one as bad on multiple levels as that one was for the Knights, does not decide a series. Uh, certainly, of course, the Knights can't play like that moving forward and expect to win many games against the Avalanche. Uh, so, Dave, what are some of the things that you saw in game one that you think the Knights are going to really need to correct before game two on Wednesday and then basically the rest of the series? Well, I'll give an, a couple, maybe one on defense and one on offense. Um, defensively, they need to do a better job in the neutral zone, slowing Colorado down and not letting them just, you know, transition and and essentially watch Nathan McKinnon blow past Nick Haig like he's got concrete in his skates. And, you know, there's nothing he could do. He had a full head of steam because he came through the neutral zone with you know, nobody even slowing him down. And we saw in practice today, the Knights running a drill where they would kind of run a three on two and then turn. And one of the, you know, groups of five basically was clogging up the neutral zone while the other one had the puck and, and working to kind of slow them down in that sense, sort of with the forecheck and, and neutral zone uh, kind of trapping a little bit. I, that's just one thing right off the bat, that transition and slowing them through that neutral zone. And then offensively, you know, the games that the Knights had success and what worked was sort of boring hockey a little bit and dumping it in and being hard and being physical, trying to grind on the smaller, you know, McCarr, Gerard, Devin Taves. Like those guys are not um, big physical defensemen that Colorado has. And, and the Knights had success in the games where they were putting pucks in the corner, you know, and being physical on the forecheck and cycling the puck and then creating chances in front. What I thought they did really well in the first, you know, handful of minutes, 10 minutes, especially, you know, when I thought they were playing okay, was getting it in deep and sort of start starting the cycle, but then they didn't get any shots out of it. And so there has to be sort of another step with all of that is once they start, you know, working on that forecheck is then actually producing and getting shots and offense as a result. Right. It's going to take a really disciplined effort for them to do those couple things. I mean, you mentioned slowing the avalanche down in the neutral zone. The avalanche are so good at attacking. And uh, anytime you you know try to take a little bit of a breather, 
they are going, you know, north, south, up the ice. Uh, it's fascinating to watch how often when the Knights were, you know, trying to execute a line change um, in game one, that the Avalanche uh, immediately threw the puck through the neutral zone, tried to catch the Knights on their heels. And that way, you know, who's ever coming on the ice for the Knights all of a sudden is like in scramble mode right from the beginning of their shift. And they're trying to pick up their defensive assignments. And it's just, you know, creates kind of a hectic flow to the game that obviously doesn't benefit the Knights. And yeah, I think your point about, um, you know, getting in on the forecheck, getting the puck in the corner is a good one. We talked about that on our uh, preview podcast about how, you know, the Avalanche have incredible defensemen. Like I said, Kale McCarr had four points in game one. Um, Gerard Graves, uh, Devon Taves, who was also uh, fantastic in game one. They're all really excellent, um, but none of them are super, super big. So if you can get the puck in deep and kind of pin those guys in the corner and forecheck, that's kind of the key to having success. The only problem is that's obviously much easier said than done because all of those guys are great skaters and they're also very good with the puck. So if they, you know, get a little bit of a window of an opening to move that puck forward, they're going to be able to do so. And then all of a sudden the avalanche are going the other way. Uh, another, you know, key change for the Knights that's uh, going to happen in game two is the fact that they're likely going to be starting Mark Andre Fleury after throwing Robin Leonard, uh, as Fleury put it, quote, like to the Lions in game one. Fleury was um, obviously incredible all season. He was great in the first round. Uh, he was rewarded for all of his efforts today by being named a finalist for the Vesna Trophy. It is the first time in his 17-year career he has finished in the uh, top three of the voting, which is done by the NHL's general managers. He'll learn if he actually won the award sometime during the NHL semifinals or final. Uh, the league has not set an exact uh, date or time as to when they're going to announce the winners of the awards. For reference, the other two finalists are Tampa Bay's Andre Veselevsky and uh, you know the other goaltender in this series, Colorado's Philip Grubauer. Uh, it's definitely a fantastic accomplishment for Flurry Dave, uh, but I don't think we can say uh, it's a surprise. I think we all uh, expected this to happen today, yes? Yeah, I think so. And sorry to the uh, person on Twitter who thinks Jack Campbell from Toronto should be a Vezina uh, finalist, but I think we all knew that uh, Vasilevsky and probably Grubauer were going to be there. Um, you could probably make a case for, you know, Connor Hellebuck, um, some of the fancy analytics and some of that other good stuff. But, you know, this is a GM voted on award. This is not something that the writers uh, vote on. And so it tends to be very, like, stat heavy in terms of wins, goals against, save percentage, uh, maybe one or two other uh, deeper stats. And I think everybody this year, you know, for the most part, saw Vasilevsky, excuse me. Uh, Philip Grubauer and Marc-Andre Fleury is, is the top three. I mean, you know, like I said, there, there's one or two guys that you could have a fun, you know, discussion about. And, and it'll be interesting to sort of see the voting uh, once the, you know, numbers are released here uh, and, and the award is uh, actually award, you know, award is award. When the award is given out, excuse me, uh, and just to see where like where the minds of the GMs are with this, and then especially with that is where does Flurry finish? You know, like how much does he get a sentimental vote from the GMs at this point? Like, I mean, at least in terms of wins, he doesn't quite stack up, but some of the other numbers are, are right there. 
um, you know, goal saved above average and, you know, all those other, you know, neat things. And, and maybe, you know, after 17 seasons, they, they finally decide, Hey, you know, this is the, the time for Mark Andre Fleury to, uh, to get his Vezina trophy. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, he's certainly worthy. I think everyone's kind of anticipating that he and Vasilevsky are probably going to finish one and two in the voting. It's just a question of what order they go in, but uh, certainly an incredible and uh, well-deserved, at least for his year this year, accomplishment for Flurry. But we'll see how he does when he gets back in the net, uh, likely tomorrow against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, it should be a uh, you know fun series, an interesting series. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, I think this is one that everyone's uh, been waiting for and is kind of probably the marquee matchup of the second round for the NHL. We'll just see if the Knights are able to fight back in game two and uh, really make things interesting going forward. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As a reminder, we are sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We are also presented by Blue Wire Podcast. Uh, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We're trying to give you guys the best stuff that we can while we're here in Denver. And, of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our comfort specialist can handle any AC repair. Call 855-1-HOUR for $50 off your repair or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Terms and conditions may apply. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.